This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. What I really love about Andrew's story is this, this love for backcountry skiing, this passion that's taken him all over the world, eventually led him back home to, to grow a community right in his own backyard, right in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, to raise awareness for his passion there. It, it's so similar and so parallel to the story here at Athletic Brewing, taking this, you know, what's often considered this overlooked segment of the beer industry and turning it into something that's uh, that's gaining a lot of traction, getting a lot of attention. Uh, you Google Athletic Brewing right now, you're, there's just tons of articles and stuff coming out about it. So we just focused on this one segment, non-alcoholic craft beer, doing our best to make it our own. And, and Andrew's doing the same exact thing with the White Mountains and in the world of backcountry skiing. So it's cool to see these parallels. So many things come up that, that I can just like, oh yeah, that's so, so relatable. Um, but another really cool parallel is, you know, if you don't know, 2% of all our sales at Athletic Brewing gets donated to park and trail cleanups. And because of COVID and because of the effect of COVID on ski resorts, we knew people were going to be in the backcountry trying to ski essentially out in the wilderness, something they may have never have done before. And so safety, avalanche awareness, and just safe access was going to be so important this year. So we decided to dedicate $100,000 to backcountry skiing safety and awareness uh, for the winter season. So the organization that Andrew's a part of, Granite Backcountry Alliance, was one of the recipients of some of that funding. And uh, so we're talking to Andrew today about his story, what he's learned, and what he's doing up there in the White Mountains. And I wanted to say before we get started, thank you, Matt Place, uh, for suggesting uh, Andrew as a guest. Just an awesome person, great to talk to. And uh, he had a really good audio quality, which is super helpful on a, on a podcast, of course. So thanks, Matt. All right, here is Andrew's story. I think you're going to learn a lot. And you're going to be excited to get out there. Uh, Andrew Drummond, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mason. Uh, it's great to chat with you. You know, I always ask this first, where are you coming from today? And, wh- and where is home? Uh, I am coming from Jackson, New Hampshire, relatively new home. I grew up in Conway. I've uh, had stints in Maine and San Diego, Baja, back to madison new hampshire and worked my way up to up to jackson as of this last april made a move here so i'm in this location above a ski shop i just started or a a new retail shop i started i've had a ski shop for the past few years but this is a new location in jackson and trying to make it all work that's a tough ask some days i'm sure (laughs) it's a lot going on I, i i don't hasn't it's been a lot of my own doing we've started i started this out you know, age 34, reset, no no job, no money, what do you do? If you've got the opportunity to start from scratch, I uh, I just I spent, end up spending a lot of time in the mountains, and, and then next thing you know, the trajectory pushed me into running a ski shop and, and getting into events and spending a lot of time in the mountains. 
And and now you you've been skiing, I would assume from pretty young. Did did you start out skiing w- where you grew up, like in where you are now, or did it take going somewhere else? No, it was here. This was um, as early as I can remember. Grew up skiing. I'm the youngest of four, and I, I've skied through various programs, whether it's a weekend program, a school program, um, you know, and doing everything from alpine ski racing, ski patrol, and then getting into backcountry skiing was the latest endeavor. And, and that's, that's what I'm really passionate and excited about because it, it combines the travel in the mountains, but you get to ski down and, um, it's really been a game changer for me. And it, and it seems to be on the rise. Do you think it's just folks wanting to get away from the resorts or just having more of an, like an authentic outdoor experience? Um, it's kind of forced on us this year, but, but what do you think that has been because of? It's a, it's a good question. We, when I got into this in 2000, early, you know, 2010, 2011, um, I felt like the gear started to change and get better. And the, you know, if we just break down backcountry, how to get into the backcountry, you can do it through telemark skiing. So you never lock the heel down. You can do it through Alpine touring. And that's when you lock the heel down. You can do it through split boarding. Uh, there's, I'm sure there's a few other creative, creative ways to get out there, but the Alpine touring gear, and that's what I focus in. It's just gotten better every year. And it was, I'd say like the past five years, there's, there've been dramatic improvements in it. You see it trickle into just some of the regular Alpine skiing technology, lighter boots, more comfort, better walk mode. And, uh, so, so you've got that going on. And then, um, of course you've got, a increased, the user group starts to grow and now you create more skiable terrain. You see it more, there's events focusing on backcountry, And so the awareness is up. And when I started, get, started my shop in 2016, it, it was tiny. It was like, I mean, that, not my shop, my shop was tiny, but the market was really, really small. And say it was like half a percent, you know, it doubled. It's like the, everyone says it's the quickest growing category. Well, it doesn't take much like if you double a quarter of a percent of the market, like it's still not a lot, it's still a small group, but it's been fun to watch it rise every year because if you've got the gear, that's good. And then you have places to go and you've got people showcasing it. It's only natural that uh, things are gonna get better. But I think it really, if the gear wasn't good and wasn't comfortable, then I don't think you'd see a lot of people out there on it. You, you, you said you kind of had stints all over the place. Was there a place that you, you started to experiment with backcountry skiing elsewhere? And did you, you know, want to keep exploring maybe out west or wherever you were? And then what eventually brought you back to where you started, back home? It was uh, it was definitely a roundabout way. I think I got bored of ski, skiing at the resorts like a lot of people do. It's You ski a few laps on the lift or the groomers and uh, it might get skied off and especially on the East coast where the storms are, can be infrequent and you, you're very reliant on man-made snow. So if you're just out there just doing laps, often it's cold and I don't know, it just got, it got stagnant. And in college I got into surfing and that just put me on a different trajectory. All of a sudden it's a new sport that I'm excited about and I'm a beginner again. And, uh, so I went and I chased waves. I did a semester abroad in Australia and, uh, use my biology degree from college I went out to San Diego and I got my dream job I thought that was it so I'm living out in San Diego surfing all the time but I would find time 
to ski still like a couple weeks out of the year and you know that'd be like either coming here a trip trip out west um but my brother moved to alaska and i think that was sort of that was a pivotal moment for me because uh going from the beach up to alaska and seeing the big mountains and how you could recreate especially with the modern alpine touring gear i was just talking about next thing you know we're able to access huts spend days seeking out these steeper lines and powder and it was just that was it like there was no no coming back after that so as soon as i did that next thing you know i'm and i was on all all sorts of borrowed gear and i didn't really know what was what it was just what my brother could find for me and then i just did some research got some skis got bindings had my own gear and i was still living in san diego and i'd make trips back east for the next few years and try to ski some of the stuff around here and that was really that planted the seed i knew i was going to move back from san diego to here in the mount washington valley but i just didn't know when and so when i did move back I again I didn't have a job or anything so I just spent a ton of time in the mountains did everything I could you know this wasn't just alpine alpine touring I was snowshoe r- running I was uh doing some winter triathlons nordic skiing and really just gave myself the opportunity to try all these different outdoor sports but alpine touring was the one that like really grabbed a hold of me were you looking forward to that transition back home or was that something we're apprehensive about what do you what, what, what was it for you i thought that you know when i was in san diego that i just never had roots i never felt and I, I never felt like that was where i was going to settle down and when i'd visit family back here in the northeast i knew i was going to move back here i just didn't know if i was going to be on the ocean or in the mountains and what happened i just found myself gravitating towards the mountains when I'd come back here because the surf was so fickle and I just knew I could always get out into the mountains. Didn't matter what the conditions were, winter, summer, there's, there's gear for everything. And then that first winter back, I didn't spend a ton of time skiing and alpine touring. You know, I was trying all these different activities. And then the springtime I was up in, uh, up in Tuckerman ravine. And it just, I think it really clicked. I, I, I got the endurance bug to some degree that year in 2014. And, uh, so I just started chasing these goals, small incremental goals. And that really feel the fire was, well, if I can go and use this, build this engine and go and apply it to the mountains and do big days and cover terrain and get this sensation of exploring being the feeling, feeling like you're the first to ski some of these areas because no one ever tells you about them. You're just hunting them and everything's been, everything's pretty much been skied in some, some fashion or another. But, um, that feeling that new to you, new to me feeling, uh, was really what made everything so exciting. And, and then the next winter it was this full on. So that 2015, 16 was really dedicated to Alpine touring. And then I'd say like 2017, I really hit my stride and felt like I started to figure it all out. And I started to really track the weather patterns and different zones in the, the presidentials, all these different mountain. There's, there's like nine or so mountain ranges that compose the, the white mountains and just sort of just make my own adventures. And that's sort of that thing, you know, I told you like, I didn't have a job and it was really hard. I didn't know what, I didn't really have much direction, but this sounded like 
the it felt like the right thing to do it was like go spend time in the mountains and then while this was all going on i was trying to uh trying to sell some skis so i was skiing on alpine touring skis from fisher my friend that worked there said you should hey you should open up a dealer account and start selling skis and i didn't really get it didn't didn't really know that he was i thought i was going to be like a alpine touring rep for fisher but he's like no do your own thing start your own brand and next thing you know i had dealer agreements with a few different brands that i was just using that i thought would be a good fit for a small store so i opened an online store sold stuff out of my basement my truck and didn't really do much it was really more focused on me getting out becoming an expert in the terrain and then the whole business side of things uh was was later that came on later but you know it wouldn't happen i don't think it would be as um considered a success if i hadn't really done my homework and put all that time in so that when customers or someone wants to find information out about backcountry skiing in in new england you know they come they can come to me and i can give them an honest answer and i can tell them why i carry the gear i carry and um hopefully get them the best experience possible gosh man so so many different things going on so so you feel like you're you were kind of leading, not leading, but you were going on uncharted territory by backcountry. You're skiing some of these areas that there wasn't a whole lot of information on. Now, were you starting to share that information? Like, were you trying to make it easier for others? And then eventually that kind of got turned into a retail? What, what Did you have a plan or was it just kind of yeah. where the information took you? And as people asked, you got the word out there. So the I guess the the real, the real, like the moment where things I think in my life changed back here was when, um, summer 2015, I just, I've been hiking in the mountains a lot. And Scott Jarek came to do, he was coming through during his Appalachian, uh, trail, trail speed record. He's coming through the white mountains. And then, you know, he had Timmy O'Neill crewing him and, and Timmy reached out to the valley saying in the valley saying who would be good, a good person to help crew Scott Jurek through this section. And Scott Jurek's a legend. I mean, I remember I was living in San Diego, reading some of his, his books, you know, about trail running and I've read born to run. And, and so it was pretty surreal to, to get asked to go and crew him through the hundred miles that, that go through the white mountains of the Appalachian trail. And, and I hung out, I, I did those three days and, and once I got through to the other side, I was, you know, it was like the last day of school where everyone leaves and you're like, well, what's next? It was kind of depressing. So Scott's doing his adventure and that really pushed me to think about, well, what do I want? And get introspective on life and like, what's important to me. And, and so then I start setting my own goals. And some of that was like the next summer I did the unsupported, I unsupported 48 4,000 footers in New Hampshire over under did that in under six days and that was a first for me like this big endurance effort and then doing all the ski touring things I was um so I was pushed from an athletic standpoint but then like you were saying about sharing information about the White Mountains was that I was taking a lot of photographs and making videos just basic things that I thought would be fun to share because the big picture of New England and the White Mountains was that not many people are sharing the photos in the way that I thought would really represent them well. And that goes for brand, like big brands 
um, that have market groups here in Boston and Portland, Maine, in New York, and everything you see is out out west or out in Europe and the Alps or wherever the the usually where the brand headquarters are and wherever they do their marketing trips. And I was like, wait, well, why aren't we showcasing our terrain or making relatable content for our user group? Because that's what's going to get them excited to get in the mountains because they it's all in a drive, you know, a day's drive or half a day's drive. They can access the same stuff that I'm I'm in. And I think that I wanted to build this community out where it wasn't just everything incredibly secretive. I've, of course, like you still want that sense of adventure, but you just want to get, you know, you want to plant the seed to get someone to think differently about what they can do and how they can recreate. And, um, yeah, the more I think about it is like, why do we protect these places, these areas of designated wilderness and why are they so important? And you can really showcase that through media. So you start building up this knowledge and looking for a way to share it, and you realize gear is a big part of this. Um, how how much of a process was it for you to say, I'm going to open up a store or I'm going to move into retail? Because that, you know, for anyone that has taken an idea or something they loved and turned it into either a business or try to turn it into a source of income, what you quickly run into, there's a lot of things you have to do that aren't the thing you enjoy doing you know what i'm saying like there's a lot of time that you're not skiing when you're trying to start something like that how did you handle that what was that process like for you well i'm still processing that right now i'm trying (laughs) i'm trying to figure that out because when um when i didn't have much work and i wasn't selling many skis i had all this time to go out and play and then when i look back and reflect back on that that's why i'm so busy now selling skis or selling selling some of the gears because of that sort of that marketing that I was able to that I didn't know I was doing but I was doing you know getting on social media and getting on YouTube and um just getting photos out there on Facebook and I didn't realize it you know never realize how big your reach is but it just grows grows over time and um so this last winter was just really busy and I knew that I couldn't just live in this tiny, tiny shop in a, a ski lodge that's not open for almost three months out of the, the skiable winter and has low visibility. And so this place came up in Jackson that I didn't know how I was going to make it work, but I was like, I need to look into this place. And I didn't think it was going to work. And so I looked at it in May of 2019 and then come December of 2019, I knew I had to just put an offer in and try to make it work. And Part of that was renting out some of it to a ski and bike mechanic and another carpenter. Another part of that was renting space out to my girlfriend who runs a physical, went out on her own now as a physical therapist and then have a retail shop, live here. And then we started a coffee roasting company. So there's a lot of moving pieces that I just, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to put myself under too much water to make this happen. And just knowing how variable and I don't know, like one bad winter, you know, you hear about this ruining um, a a ski shop or just a ski resort. And I just wanted to protect myself in a way that I could make this happen. And long story short, it's like this was we we moved in here in April and we've just been we got into bikes and I've always been trail running and trying to sell trail running stuff. So getting more partnerships with other brands. And 
I don't know. It's been on as strange of a year as it's been. We've just been growing because of a, f- a bunch of different factors, but the growth in the outdoor sector, but just reputation and doing what we do really well and, and building that community. So people want to support us. And um, yeah, so I ended up like with this slow start to the winter, what we've, what we've had here is like, I still have a lot of projects that I want to do and trying to get a system in place where I can take off and I don't have to be in the shop as much as um, I probably have been in the past. So that's a, that's going to be a constant struggle moving forward, but it's part of it. And I never intended to open a retail shop. It's just, it was, you know, you identify needs in the market and if there's no one else selling the product that you're using, then, you know, we went from doing mostly rentals and then now having a retail space, a retail presence with this old, it was an art gallery where our space is. And then, and it's fun. Like I, I do enjoy at the core of it, it's retail, but it's, it's a little nicer than that because you are changing people's lives the way that they, something that the ski culture is so deep here in the Northeast and then to have some people coming from all different backgrounds of skiing, whether it's Nordic, Alpine, um, just general hikers, people that are outdoor enthusiasts, and then introducing them to something that is so groundbreaking, like to get on a light boot that feels like a hiking boot and then a lightweight ski and it enables them to just be so comfortable. Yeah. It's just been, it's been amazing. Like that part of it is, is a blast. And, um, so I just, I try to keep that, um, yeah, I try to keep that in my mind when those hard days when you are just up late working on emails or some of the basic stuff. But I always try to showcase and make a point that like any marketing I do or an excuse for marketing would be to go out like today. We're out skiing with um, a couple employees from the shop and just go out and have fun and take some photos and um, share that with people that are hungry to see that sort of thing. Tying it all together. That, that is awesome. So, you know, we're all, all businesses, you know, almost a year later are, are very aware of what, how the pandemic has changed the business and it's still unsure how it will change it long-term. But for you and with your community and being so um, dependent on kind of that organic growth of, of getting together, doing little events, having a shop open, how has the pandemic changed business for you and how has it changed backcountry? Um, and how do you think it's going to be moving forward? It's hard. It's hard to say like the growth and this. So we were talking earlier about the backcountry category, just doubling every year. And so that's, I knew that was coming. I knew that it's, it was going to be bigger. I helped co-found a nonprofit called Granite Backcountry Alliance, which creates these glade projects or areas of skiable terrain in the white mountains that maybe they were an old ski zone and they've, they're just overgrown now. And, and now we have a volunteer user group that comes in, in the summertime and, and maintains it, clears it out and proposes new projects, places like the white mountains or with a land trust or that's on private property. And, and so now you've got this expansion, essentially adding another lane to the highway. And as the user group grows, so the demand grows, but then you also have the word of mouth about what I'm doing or the, the community events and wanting to just come try it out. And then you've got, yeah, the COVID push where the people just, they don't know the uncertainty. They're like, well, this is what, this was the, this is what I needed to try out what you'd call skinning or uphilling at their local resort to, 
to get a touring set up or, or at least rent it last spring. And so we saw this coming, we saw it with the bikes and yeah, this year's been crazy. It's, um, way more volume than I anticipated. I think we are probably, everything feels like it's scaled five times. And of course with that, there's some hiccups and bottlenecking with gear and trying to make everyone happy. And, but I've been just like really fortunate to have the right people gravitate to what I'm doing. I've got, um, you know, like really talented and smart, uh, employees that are helping out and helping me navigate all this. So I've, it doesn't feel like it's all on my shoulders anymore. I've got, I've got, I feel like the tools in place to, to carry me through the, the demand. And I don't know, we'll see what happens out of it. I think the backcountry is going to be busier, but it's been growing every year. And I've seen that. And the trailheads are, we saw it this summer where the parking was full. And part of that, I'm not too worried about that. It's, it's going to be manageable. I think there's, I've got some responsibility to do some outreach and education. And that's something that I've been working on with the local avalanche center to do a weekly podcast with them to make sure we can get week information out before the weekend crowds come up. But midweek, you can still go up in the mountains and it's going to be quiet. Like I, we got a seven thirty start today and didn't really see anyone. And then we, we went up to the summit of Mount Washington. It's a Monday and, and on the weekend, you're going to see a ton of people at the the popular places, but if you just go a little bit further off the beaten path, and if that's what you're you're looking for, you're going to find it. You're going to find that solitude and isolation. And chances are, if you do come across someone else way far off, uh, eight miles further than you probably normally go, then chances are you're going to want to talk to that person and meet that person. They could become a future uh, backcountry partner. You just never know. And I think um, that's one thing I just my positive spin on the growth of the the community is finding other people to recreate with and go out there with. But of course there is a, a threshold of too many people and clogging up the trail network. But I, I think that's just going to push um, more of these backcountry zones to be developed. And then also just people to explore a little further to find uh, their little slice of wilderness. So what is your hope for the future of backcountry in the Northeast? What, what do you, what, what, what do need, people need to keep in mind this, this year, this winter right now? And also what, what is your hope in, in the years to come? Hmm. Yeah. I don't really think much beyond uh, one week at a time. Right <laughs> no, it's, I, I just want, of course, the biggest thing is safety and safety of others and that comes with, like, as I was saying before, education and an experience, you need both. You can't just read a book and be ready to go. And you can't just go out there, um, a lot and expect to know everything. It's like, you, you need to learn, learn both. And I just hope that people, um, you know, one thing is we sell a lot of safety gear and I, I see a lot of people out there without the, that gear we sell. And it's like, well, you can rent it if you can't afford it. And it's just some basic things like crampons. And when you start getting into the steeper stuff, but just realizing like when you're off the, you're out of the resort. You're, it's just, everything's a lot slower for medical response. And it's one of those things that I learned quickly when I, my brother scolded me in Alaska when I just wanted to jump off everything possible. But he's like, you can't do that. This isn't a ski movie. You don't have a, a helicopter right there just to extract you if something goes wrong. And that's mm-hmm. a, that's a hard lesson to learn unless it happens to you. I think being young and excited about skiing is something that it's natural. And so you need mentorship and that often happens through finding the right guide to take you out. But so safety, safety is like just a, it's the big thing. And there's a big campaign called ski kind that, uh, 
a friend, Tyler Ray, that started Granite Backcountry Alliance I was just talking about, but this whole ski kind, I think it's skikind.org, but it's just the principles of skiing and, and be nice to other people. It's uh, We're all out there to have a good time and it, that can get lost. Is that It can be someone's very first time that could be having a, a problem with their gear or something. Something isn't working right, well, stop and help them out and just, again, remind like, Remind yourself that this is a community that you're part of, whether you like it or not, but it's sort of your responsibility to help others. Um, so I just want to see the growth of the sport and this activity. I want to see it just uh, develop the right way, the, the way that like I feel like I've been doing with my, my shop and my work is just you know one step at a time and take it slow. And, and then I think everyone's going to be able to see you know, our, our terrain is world-class here in the White Mountains. We've got some of the best skiing, I think, out of anywhere I've been and traveled. And I've, I've traveled to the major spots. Um, it's a little more fickle, but it, it makes it that much more worthwhile when you get it get it good. And a sleeper day like today, I wouldn't trade that for anything. We we hiked all the way up to the summit, skied, skied a little bit off the summit cone, and then went down into Huntington Ravine and got some of the best snow we've had all season. And it's like that's the stuff I want to showcase. That's the stuff I care about. And that's what keeps me excited and passionate day after day. Um, and through some of those days we were talking about with the retail grind. Can you touch on what Granite Backcountry Alliance is? That, that If people don't know, we're partnering this year with y'all. Just we're going to, you know, make a contribution uh, through our two for the trails program. And we just saw, you know, with the, the rise of backcountry this year and probably the, the, pretty ill preparedness of a lot of people, um, safety is going to be a huge issue. So we pivoted our whole two for the trail program to just be about backcountry safety and awareness for the winter before transitioning back into trails, uh, in the summertime. And so back, uh, back, uh, granite backcountry was one of those organizations we wanted to, wanted to highlight. Yeah, that's huge. And thanks so much. I mean, the amount of money and resources it takes to run a nonprofit like this it it was eye-opening and it was very this was in 2016 Tyler Ray reached out to me about his uh his mission statement about what he wanted Granite Backcountry to be and he's like we have this we have this incredible this incredible terrain here in New Hampshire and western Maine and and we've seen what's happened in Vermont with uh some of their glades and their projects in the green in the green mountain um national forest and uh so here we are in our our terrain in in the white mountains and we're trying to get um something going and and tyler ray really spearheaded this and made this this whole not this nonprofit. he invited me he's like you should join this along with a lot of a few other people to join create a, a board of directors and really just saw his vision come to life and i was just there support for events and whatever he needed we i put together the website but the idea is that we have this tree density problem right where it's not 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 everything spaced out as it as it should be or as it could be for skiing and it's really not doing any damage to the ecosystem when you do trim stuff that's uh, a certain diameter or can clean out some of the falling falling trees and brush but anyways create all these different zones that you can go to and this is really important for the safety perspective when the avalanche danger is high it's like where do you go and so to be able to let people find other ways to recreate safely and create these these areas has been 
a really astounding success. And this is, I don't know, we're going to year four or five with this. And um, we have projects in the pipeline and maintaining other projects, but we've just seen it. We've seen the trailheads super busy and um, it's just reflective of the, the growth and the user group. Um, it's a great way, again, to meet a, a bunch of like-minded individuals that share the same passion for the outdoors. And uh, if, if you're looking to get involved, and this is a classic question, is how do I how do I get into backcountry? It's like, well, join Granite Backcountry Alliance. I mean, there's a lot, like I was saying, there's a lot that goes into it to build these parking lots, to get the tools, to get all the volunteers organized, to go out and get these projects approved, flagged, meet with all the landowners or the land managers, and then you glade them and then you sort of go through this trial period, make sure everything works and then maintain them. And so it's not like you can just set it and forget it. We're doing trail signs and um, kiosks and then just general other, you know, the whole ski kind campaign came out of this. And uh, we partner with a larger group called Winter Wildlands Alliance. And yeah, there's just so much that's going on with this one nonprofit and so to have two for the trails support it and it's it's exciting because it's going to help just get more projects off the ground and make everyone happier you know we're going to have more fun terrain to ski in there's stuff happening here in jackson that's very exciting as well that's in the pipeline and um that's right out the back door for me and uh being the what i call the gateway to the white mountains here in jackson it's uh there's so much there's so much good terrain up here and it's just going to keep growing. So I just want to make sure that there's places for people to go where they don't, they can get that experience that drew me into this sport and this activity uh, in the first place. We love folks just being champions of, of their home, of where they are, what they're excited about, man. I'd love to ask you a couple rapid fire questions and we can, uh, we can wrap it up from there. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I know we've, we've been talking about, you know, backcountry skiing and all that and retail shops, but I want to know what are you most curious right now about outside outside of skiing man um you know there's uh trail running is my other big thing and i do a little bit of biking but i got i started home roasting coffee i worked on these boats oil exploration boats as a marine mammal observer working for the government to implement the mitigation measures to document the efforts of, of these boats that are searching for oil below the ocean floor use, using like acoustics and uh, it wasn't my dream job at all, but it was part of like, you know, I had, to, I was, I felt like I was working for the, the good, the good guys trying to make sure that they were playing by the rules anyway. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'd go out and I'd work offshore for five weeks at a time, upwards of five weeks at a time all over the world, Africa, Vietnam, India, South America, some projects in the Gulf of Mexico. And so I'd just be gone and I love coffee and I would start roasting my own coffee out there offshore you know took a, i'd usually just bring coffee and then maybe bring a french press and a grinder but then i just started bringing green beans i met this guy and so i had this real love for coffee when it this was back in 2008 maybe 2008 2009 and and then i started roasting my own and then when we got this space here in jackson i got a loan for the plate for the building but then i also inquired about a loan for a coffee roaster and it got approved so once i found out that i had the funding to buy a commercial coffee roaster it was it's been full-on coffee here uh for since august and that's been a really really fun project partnering with different distributors and picking different varieties making blends and 
having this flexing these creative muscles that I haven't been able to use in quite some time. And I think making outstanding coffee has been, that's been a real source of, uh, I don't know, satisfaction outside of skiing. So what would you say your proudest achievement is outside of maybe the store and skiing, anything outside of that? God, I don't know. I've been so hyper-focused on, yeah, I've just been so hyper-focused on the ski thing. And it used to be about me. It used to be my ego as an athlete. And I just, it didn't take long to realize that it was so much bigger than me. It didn't, this wasn't the Andrew Drummond show. This was about the community and building the brand. And I think it was like the doing these Friday night light events at black mountain where, you know, 20 people showed up the first week, if that, and you're like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're all here for a good time. And then just to watch that grow slowly over time. And, you know, at some point you just start, stop chasing numbers, but to see it really like to see how other people's lives have changed because of something that you introduce them to like that, that's super powerful and way more meaningful than anything I did for myself. Um, so I'm su- I'm very proud of, very proud of that. And I think that that's something that again, will be a con- continue to be a driving force in, in what I do day to day. So to wrap this all up, uh, last question is what does it mean to you to live without compromise? That's, I mean, that's perfect. That's exactly what I've been doing. I feel like, um, it took it. And I think it like, there's no right or wrong way to live life or what careers to chase and what business moves to do. It's just like what feels right. And it's like, you have to have that principle in, in place is live without compromise, make, you know, make sacrifices for what you love. And you hope that that all it's either going to work or it's not, but at least you're not going to be second guessing yourself all the time about what could have happened. And, you know, if the ski stuff never, never worked out, then it never would have worked out, but that's fine. You have to be okay with that. And that's, um, I think that's a very true statement across the board for most people, or at least they should think that way is like, if there's something, and if you've got this itch to scratch then scratch it, figure that out, find means to make it happen. Um, tiptoe into it go all in it doesn't matter it's just like I was very lucky to have a supportive partner throughout all this that paid the rent and took care of groceries and stuff while I figured this out and there was a lot of doubt but it was like yeah I was living without compromise I knew that this was something that was very special to me and and it just provided that motivation every day was go outside go catch a sunrise catch a sunset get some photos hike a new trail um, do these link ups, think creatively about the outdoors and then the rest will take care of itself. And it did. And I was very fortunate to have, uh, the support and the timing and the community, and you can call it luck and you can call it opportunity and skill, but it is what it is. And, uh, so it's just, yeah, it's like, you got to try and you're not going to win everything. There's stuff that I'm sure I've failed at, and I've DNF'd and all these other small personal failures, but there's so much bigger stuff to come out of it uh, when you do try. All right. Well, I, I won't let, I won't keep you. You got like a million things you do. So <laughs> I'll let you get back to it. Okay, cool. Thanks, Mason. All right. See you, Andrew. All right. Bye. 
you're in the Northeast and you want to get in the backcountry this year, I really encourage you to get in touch with Andrew. Go buy a shop. If they're open, Ski the Whites. You can check that out at skithewhites.com and also check them out on Instagram. And if you'd like to try Athletic Brewing's ungodly, delicious, incredibly good non-alcoholic craft beer, go to athleticbrewing.com. Free shipping nationwide on two six-packs or more. And until then, keep living without compromise. <laughs>